Hi, and welcome to the Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast for your everyday and well-being needs. I'm Amy from The Wellness Strategy, and I'm here to bring you a podcast that is going to help you understand what this big complex idea of well-being is. We know it's a very much needed space to focus on whether it's for your own needs or that in the workplace, but we also know it's complex, it's heavy, it's made up of lots of different elements. It looks different from person to person, which is why within this podcast, we are going to dive deep into uncovering some mistruths, misconceptions, and just random ideas around wellbeing. This may mean that you have to listen to me ramble, and at times we'll have on some fabulous guests, but overall, this is about checking in with yourself. What do you believe about wellbeing? What do you need? What are you proactively doing? What could you do differently? And how are we working together on both an individual and collective level to improve the well-being of ourselves and others within the workplace it's big it's deep it's complex but it's also amazing when we do this work both individually and together so hang in there grab a cuppa pop your headphones in and go for a walk and let's dive into today's episode good morning wonderful people hello how are you how have you been We are going to talk all about who is responsible for staff well-being today Uh, and what I really hope to give you is a more broader understanding of what it looks like in an individual and collective space and how we can begin to better understand what responsibility looks like in terms of action, who it lies with, and also how do we work together to ensure that everyone knows the role they play when it comes to building staff well-being and culture. You see, responsibility is something that, like accountability, can at times be a little bit taboo. We don't always want to talk about it. And I think in the staff well-being space for a little bit of time now, or perhaps a long time, what has been perhaps more common is the idea that we should look to someone else to be responsible. So whether that is looking to our school leaders, whether that is looking to someone else in a position of influence, whether it is the principal, and in actual fact, well-being like culture is everyone's responsibility. It's not one person. We're not here to point fingers at or to blame. And with the idea and the topic or concept of staff well-being being somewhat new in many spaces, not just in schools or education, but many workplaces, we have to extend some compassion to those perhaps in leadership who we think should be responsible because they are like us learning. We are trying to figure it out. We are really all in a space of, you know, this is new. And so with responsibility comes the idea of also considering, well, hang on, if this whole well-being, workplace well-being, staff well-being concept is somewhat new in terms of moving beyond the morning teas and the yoga classes, then we all play a role and we have to, I think, take a step back from wanting someone to fix it or solve it and be really open to considering what role do I play individually? What role does my team play? What role do all staff play? What role do perhaps a leadership team play or a well-being team play or a principal play? Uh, or a HR manager play in this big topic, concept, and area of need. So let's let's take a little bit more of a look at these ideas in depth and also consider, you know, what, what does that look like in terms of our own action and what might it look like in terms of action for everyone else as well? 
So it's really common, I think, when we talk about responsibility for staff well-being to ponder questions like, you know, who is responsible for staff well-being? Is someone specifically responsible? Do we need to appoint a person? Does it fall to that one person or one team, for example, a leadership team or a well-being team? Should we nominate a staff well-being leader to be responsible? You know, does it sit with the HR team or a team designated for this type of work? Or is it up to the individual alone? And these are great questions to ask because whilst it would be so much easier to just say the responsibility lies here, in actual fact, it doesn't. It sits in all of these spaces. It could be one, it could be all, but I would say it's a combination of those because whilst elements or part of it may sit with one person or team, For example, decision-making or rolling out an agenda or deciding what staff meetings we give time to, it isn't just that that means it's going to happen. And so we shouldn't be looking to nominate one person to drive it because we all need to take responsibility for staff well-being. You know, we are all responsible for what it looks like because it is the work of the person. It is personable work. It is how we show up. It's how we connect. It's how we talk. It's what we say or what we don't say. There's so many nuances to what staff wellbeing actually involves that we can't just expect one person to drive and change and fix it because it is, you know, it is connected to our mindset, to our way of thinking and being, to the people that we are, to the conversations that we have, to our values, to our actions, to our behaviours, whether they're above the line or below the line behaviours, you know, whether we are solutions focused or problem focused, whether we take responsibility or whether we blame, whether we are open-minded and talk things through or whether we look to justify. And, you know, all of these things come into play when we're considering considering staff wellbeing and culture. A few weeks ago, actually, was it last week or the week before, I talked to you about what wellbeing actually is. And if you haven't read the article, it's available on my LinkedIn. I'll make sure I pop it in my show notes. And in that, I talked to you about the idea of everyday and workplace wellbeing and knowing that it requires individual and collective responsibility. And this is why staff wellbeing is all everyone's responsibility, because When we're talking about those personal factors uh, around energy and function, resilience, emotional regulation, ultimately when we understand those, when we understand how they're made up, when we understand what it takes to really step into those spaces of everyday well-being, uh, what we have is really individual responsibility and that idea of self-efficacy. Because as you may have heard me say, your principal is not going to come around and tell you what time to go to bed or the well-being team isn't going to monitor your lunch and tell you to eat healthier. Those things really sit with us. The same as if we do find ourselves perhaps having a bad day or something has happened or we notice that we're not able to be resilient in a way that supports us, we're responsible for engaging in resilient strategies, not just when we need them, but as part of everyday practice, which, you know, in my book, I talk about how uh, resilience is a practice to be built upon day after day and doing things like spending time in nature, going for a walk, um, listening to music, uh, journaling, perhaps, you know, counseling, coaching, those ongoing daily practices that we engage in and there's a plethora of them if you look up things like emotional resilience physical resilience mental resilience environmental resilience relational resilience uh, what we know is that there's so many strategies we can utilize in those spaces but again it's someone's not going to do it for you you can't outsource that the same as when we work on our emotional regulation our emotional granularity and our emotional agility 
we are individually responsible for building the skills needed to do that. Now, yes, the side note here is I do very much think because this is new and we are wanting everyone to engage in it at a workplace level, so workplace school, there is a responsibility that the workplace ensures that staff are knowledgeable in this because it is part of well-being and it is brand new ensuring that staff uh, have the opportunity to explore this and talk about it you know we often talk about having psychologically safe workplaces that need to underpin staff well-being we talk about being open being brave uh, being vulnerable being heart-led leaders and to do that, we need to ensure that everyone understands, not just the leadership team, not just one person, uh, not someone who's done a, a well-being course or professional development course on this, but everyone in the work environment understands that this is who we are, this is how we're being, these are our values, and this is what makes us. And so because of that, whilst you know someone can't do it for you and your leadership team is, or your well-being team is not responsible for deciding what you eat or making sure you engage in daily resilience or always coaching you through your emotions – there is an element of whole workplace responsibility in knowing that, one, we have to ensure all staff are educated and understand these things and have the opportunity to learn about them. And two, we decide our benchmark. We decide our baseline. This is what we tolerate. This is what we don't. This is how we behave. This is how we don't behave. These are our values. This is what it looks like in terms of behaviors and action. And this is what it doesn't look like. And so, we need to be mindful of those things in terms of that individual responsibility, but also when collective responsibility comes into play, because under workplace wellbeing, I talk about productivity, using our, uh, making sure, sorry, make our productivity, making sure we're engaged in the work we do and ensuring that we're all growing and performing to a standard that supports the school or the workplace we want to be in. And again, that's about saying, hey, this is our standard. This is our baseline. This is where we're at with that. And so collectively, we all need to hold each other responsible and accountable to that way of being, thinking, behaving, acting, whatever it might be. And this is why it's not one person's responsibility. You know, yes, it would be so much easier to be able to pass it off. Yes, that might be our preferred way of thinking. And I understand that in schools, you know, we have leaders around literacy. We have leaders for numeracy. We have leaders for pedagogy, we have leaders for behavior, all of the things we want to delegate and give someone. But we know that if we are teaching in our classroom and we go against the grain of what the literacy leader has decided or the pedagogical approach that's been decided for the whole school, that we're not supporting it. We're not upholding it. We're not in line with the school values. And the same goes for well-being. We have to put ourselves in a space of supporting what's decided, of what is uh in line with the values of what we're saying, this is who we're doing, being and acting, this is who we are. And I think for many, this this is a shift, not just personally, but also professionally and together, because perhaps this hasn't been addressed before. Perhaps it hasn't been named. Perhaps it hasn't been said out loud. Perhaps we haven't drawn a line in the sand, so to say, and say, you know what, this is really who we are We are here and these things down here we're not doing anymore. And so at some point we have to be able to see collective responsibility as being this, as being the ability to be able to say this is what we do and this is what we don't. And that's how we all collectively are responsible because everyone plays a role in contributing to staff wellbeing because it's that person work, you know, it is that personable people, who we are, how we operate, what we do work. It is not just something that goes in a framework. It's not something that we 
have in a policy. It's not something that sounds nice, but we don't live out. And we have to commit to living out these things together, which is why everyone is responsible for it. And if we simply say a team needs to fix it or a leadership team needs to fix it, we're we're also saying that we're not involved, we're not contributing, we're not participating. And what I think is interesting about that mindset when we try and outsource well-being is that what we're saying is we don't want to be involved or someone else needs to do it, yet we want to reap the benefits. And it just doesn't work like that. You can't have the benefits if you don't actively participate and if you don't get involved. You don't get to have the benefits of exercise if you don't exercise. You don't get to have the benefits of a good night's sleep if you don't have a good night's sleep. You don't get to have the benefit of journaling and understanding your emotions if you don't do the work, you know. And so you don't get the benefits of improving staff well-being if you don't actively participate. You have to participate in the staff well-being and cultural change that your school is on, the journey that it's going through, the journey your workplace is going through, because it requires everyone to step up and participate. You know, you don't get to take the win for your team if you actually didn't do anything. It's not enough to have your name on the list. You've actually got to get out and play the game. And and this is the same. You have to be an active participant in what's going on in order to reap the benefits. Does that mean it's going to be easy and happen instantly and that you're going to get a participation award and everything's going to fall into place? No. You know, it it, it requires that grit and that ter- determination and that resilience and having those challenging, robust, but ever so important conversations. It requires saying things that perhaps you haven't wanted to say out loud because you're not sure how someone else is going to take it. But, you know, to do that, we have to set up this environment, this culture and this way of being and thinking that says, this is who we are and what we're trying to do. And so everyone is coming to the table with that. Everyone is committing. Everyone is collectively participating. And that's why we're all responsible because it is the work of everyone, not just one one person. And this is why, you know, staff well-being is more than just what we do. We can't achieve a really strong sense of staff well-being and culture if we stay in the space of morning teas or yoga. It it just doesn't work like that. And this is why it's way more than what we do because it it underpins how and who we are, which is why everyone is responsible. It's about our behaviors and actions and culture. I feel like I've said that about 17 times now. I <laughs> Clearly, that's, that's the message for today. And so we have to stop and ask ourselves, well, hang on, if that's accurate, if that's what it is, then, you know, how we work in teams, the relationships that we build, the safe work environments and the psychological safe work environments we establish, how we speak about what's going on for us or what might be impacting well-being and how we seek it out, how we focus on growth or looking for new ways of working, how we hold each other accountable to those things, to being positive and supporting each other and finding supportive ways to speak as well as establishing that collective efficacy to do the work, you know, that belongs to all of us. It doesn't sit with one person because we're all involved in it. And I suppose the flip of that is that means collectively we're all involved and all responsible for ensuring some things don't happen. You know, as I mentioned, it's about ensuring that we don't become so focused on the problem. We don't sit back and let others do the work for us and hope that, you know, it will just slide on past because nothing's going to change and this is how it's always been or, you know, this is what always happens. We don't do that anymore. We don't sit in a staff meeting and listen to a presentation, not ask any questions and talk 
and then go and gossip gossip about it back in our classrooms. We don't do that anymore. We don't allow our colleagues to speak in unhelpful ways or unsupportive ways. Yes, we listen. Yes, we provide that psychological safe space for them to be able to speak up. But we also don't engage in those unsupportive conversations, those backsliding is what Brene Brown calls it. We don't do that. We step out of that and we, we, we stop choosing to stay with the old ways of being and doing and we elevate ourselves you know we say I understand before we might have come back to our classroom and had a gossip about how it wasn't going to work but if we're really invested and participating in up leveling our staff well-being and culture then we just can't do it anymore now here's the thing that can be challenging when we commit to this we have to change our internal and external behaviors which is a huge piece on human behavior and The tricky thing is that perhaps there are relationships in schools or teams that are built on this way of thinking and being. And if that's the case and you are the person that says, hang on, we really need to look at this, we need to operate in a different way, that can be hard. I appreciate that and I know that that might be going against the grain of how your team generally operates, but we are responsible, all of us, and it takes someone to step into that group and say, you know what? I feel like we're doing a lot of complaining. That's not helpful to our own energy. It's not helpful to our own mindset. It's not helpful to our own ability to be able to see solutions or change. And it's certainly not the culture we're trying to build in our school anymore. So we have to shift it. And this might be something you need to do on a team level. So, you know, do you need to implement something that says at the beginning of each meeting, you get to have a whinge and a win? You know, do you get to talk about something that you loathe, but you love? You know, we need to implement these safe ways for people to vent, for people to have a whinge, for people to talk about what's annoying them because, you know, there's value in that data as well. But what we don't want to do is continue it outside that space. What we don't want to do is become best friends on who had the the worst day. We don't want to do that. We want to actually go, yeah, I imagine that's really hard. How about you bring it to next week's meeting and we talk about it? And there's a very different, uh, I suppose, situation between when we're, venting about, oh, I just need to get this off my chest. And when it becomes a bit of a pattern or something that needs addressing. So we need to use some discernment here as well. You know, hey, I'm totally okay if you come and tell me that you're feeling tired or that things are getting in the way or whatever. And, you you know, it takes a couple of minutes, but if it goes on beyond three minutes and it's happening all of the time and they're the only conversations you're having, we need to reflect on that. We need to go, are these conversations the way we connect and the things we're talking about really helping us. Is this a big problem or a small problem? We do it with kids on the playground, right? Big problem, small problem, small problem, let it go. Big problem, we take it to our team so everyone can help us. And this is why collective responsibility around wellbeing matters. And it's not about what we do. It's about who we are, how we show up, the conversations we have, the things we say to each other, the conversations we allow each other to have all of those things that come into play. And we have to be really critical at this point in time as we go on this change journey and we have to start to ask ourselves, is the way we're behaving, acting, thinking and what we're doing actually supporting that long-term embedded stuff or being in cultural change we're all seeking? Or is it not? And so how do we shift from one to the other? It's challenging work, but it is the work we need to do. You know, we need to do all of this because... If we want to ensure a solid foundation where that collective responsibility and co- and collective efficacy is established to improve staff well-being and culture, then we all need to participate. We all need to start to ask the questions. We all need to 
ask ourselves, well, what does collective responsibility look like? You know, what will we see people doing and saying? What behaviours and actions will we see? And what won't we see them doing or saying? What won't we see? How will people feel? How won't they feel? What questions will people ask? What questions mightn't people ask? What decisions will be made? What decisions won't be made? What will inform the decisions and what won't? What are our values here and what aren't they? And we need to get back to this because this is ultimately what ensures that solid foundation where collective responsibility is established to improve staff wellbeing and culture. This is it. And, you know, if we overlook these fundamentals, if we overlook these certain areas, then the foundation that we're that's needed to be able to hold all of the initiatives and the change work and the areas of focus or the new ideas that are coming through or the safety to be able to say, hey, I just don't think we should be having these conversations anymore. It's not there. And so we need to build this collective and shared understanding because it's the foundation. You know, it's the base that's going to hold the change work. Because if we don't do this, we're going to have some things that are going to sink right through the gaps or we're going to want to start on a change process and the foundation might not be steady enough for it. And old habits or doubts or different ways of being and thinking or old culture is going to slip through because we haven't built the foundation of saying, hey, we're all responsible here. And so we need a solid foundation. We need that solid and collective understanding of who's responsible for staff well-being and the role we all play as individuals and collectives before we even start looking at what to do. We have to establish the baseline of who's responsible and it's all of us. Now, yes, that might mean we have a well-being team that looks after a certain area or drives the initiative and we might have leaders because let's be honest here, you know, our leaders and our principals make the decisions about what we give time to and what we spend our budget on and what is important right now. We know all of that. But when it comes to living and breathing it, it is all of us. It is absolutely all of us. And so that is the piece that we need to come back to when we start on this staff wellbeing journey and trying to elevate staff wellbeing and culture. Because if we don't have that solid foundation of everyone knowing that we're responsible and we all need to actively participate, then the foundation isn't strong enough to hold new ideas or initiatives and things will fall through the gaps. Old culture will rise above that foundation and eventually spread and take over again. So this is important, crucial work to get right first before we look at a change process. So there we go. That's it. That's my little spiel for you today on who's responsible for staff wellbeing. I feel like this is um, perhaps a webinar that might come your way because it's definitely something we need to talk about more as a collective. And I think there are pieces being missed in this staff wellbeing and school culture conversation. We just want to get on with doing the work and I'm all for work, right? I'm all for getting my hands dirty and I'm all for saying, let's do some work on wellbeing. But actually, let's first build that base of knowing who's responsible and who needs to actively participate so we can do the work well. And the answer is it's all of us. It is all of us, me included. All right, lovely people, I'm going to leave you there. Have a great day, evening, night, whatever time of day it is, and I will see you sometime soon. Bye. Okay, so it's not quite the end. We couldn't wrap this up without giving a shout out to our socials. So please make sure you head over to Facebook and follow us at The Wellness Strategy with Amy Green or join our exclusive Facebook group, The Wellness Strategy Collective. You can find us on Insta at underscore The Wellness Strategy and also head to our website to find out more about us and subscribe to our weekly newsletter at www.thewellnessstrategy.com.au. So much gratitude. 
See you somewhere soon. Let's do this again.